Happy Holidays! Hi, this is Dustin. Just FYI, the episode you're about to hear has a couple of curse words in it. That's because we're adults, and this is actually a show for adults. So if you don't want any young ears around you hearing it, I suggest putting in your earbuds and just listening to it yourself. This is a fun story, and we're going to recap it all. So on with the show. How's your, how's your uh, Christmas been, or how's your holiday season been so far? Uh, it's been pretty good. Um, you know, uneventful. <laughs> um, I told my niece I would take her to the Nutcracker. <laughs> oh, okay. So we're doing a show. Okay. My name is Katie of The Haunted Outfit on Instagram, and spoiler alert, today Dustin and I will be recapping the book Krampus and the Thief of Christmas by Eldritch Black. Coming up next, cue the theme. <laughs> so you have a long to be read list and you don't know how to proceed. Just give yourself a break, my friend, because Dustin can read. Dustin can read. Welcome to Dustin Can Read, where we hope you've been good this year. Because if you don't, you'll need a visit from Krampus for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Today, my guest is Katie from The Haunted Outfit on Instagram. How are you doing today, Katie? I am doing so great. I'm feeling so festive. How about you? (laughs) Oh, I'm feeling festive too, apparently. Like, I got this one. I got this really cool hat that it does this, like, that that glittery stuff that you can do this with. And it's turning it green. Yeah, it's really clinical. I love this hat. That's very glamorous. Yeah, so I, I figured wearing... you'd appreciate it because you like <laughs> outfits and stuff. Yeah. So. <laughs> so I see you're wearing a Santa hat. I guess that tells us whose side you're on. <laughs> well, apparently, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've chosen a side. Yeah. So Katie, you draw these like great uh, diagrams, these drawings of all these characters from like uh, various YA books, mostly YA horror books. And uh <laughs> I think one of the most notable ones I always remember is Reva Dalby. That's the reason why I had you on to be a, a Reva-like character in The Listener, <laughs> which I loved your voice for that. You were perfect. I've been complimented on your voice, by the way. Really? People have told me, she's really bitchy, <laughs> which is great. That's per- perfectly for you. That's so funny. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. <laughs> <laughs> But it's nice of you to say that. I feel like my voice is very strange. <laughs> I like it. It's good. I like it. It's very unique. It's a oh, good voice. Thanks, Dustin. You're welcome. <laughs> I like and your you... voice too. You have a cool accent. Oh, thank you. Do I do I sound <laughs> southern or do I sound like a mix of things? Uh I don't know. It's just really um charming. <laughs> Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> well, um, you were also on another podcast with Jeffrey Canino, who was off to a previous guest. It's called Super Chillers. And you guys cover mostly YA horror type scenarios, correct? Yep, that's true. We've been reading a lot of books from the 90s, like teen horror books from the 90s, and um, just giving some commentary and uh, and talking about how crazy they are. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a monthly show, I think, isn't it? Yep, it's monthly. Um, you know, we 
didn't want to overwhelm ourselves. <laughs> oh, I totally understand. I, I get it. I overwhelm myself all the time. Yeah, you've and... got so much content. <laughs> <laughs> well, it helps you spread it out a little bit more, too, if you don't yeah. have to do it every week or every other week. Yeah. <laughs> and your recent one was the Sweet Valley High super chiller type thing called about the evil twin, correct? Yeah, that book was so good. Um I, it definitely made me want to go back and revisit Sweet Valley because I hadn't read them since I was a teen, and I just forgot how bonkers these books were, so um, it was really fun to read through it. <laughs> I know. Even the regular Sweet Valley High books are pretty bonkers. <laughs> yeah. No, and the show, I compared it to Riverdale because the teens always find themselves in these like insane situations when normal high school isn't like that at all, hopefully for most people. <laughs> Very soap opery, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Today, Katie and I have read the 2016 middle grade book, Krampus and the Thief of Christmas by Eldritch Black, which was published on November 17th, 2016 by Create Space Publishing. Eldritch Black is a British author who I think resides in Washington State now and has at least... At least, it might not be, it might be more than this, at least 11 books published focused primarily on paranormal type stories. Like there's the Weird Bay Island series, and there's also some other Christmas works, like uh, The Night of Christmas Letter Getters, and a short story that's actually available to download for free, like on um, Kindle or other places that you can purchase, quote, purchase it for zero dollars <laughs> for free. It's called The Yule Cat, A Christmas Short Story. And I just got that the other day, so I'm definitely going to check that out after this. His newest book came out in August. It's a Weird Bay Island book, and it's The Mystery of eBay's eBay's Island. It's not eBay like the <laughs> not like the marketplace, but it's, it's with an E-B-E-Y, not E-B-A-Y, oh. the mystery of eBay's Island. So those were, you know, those are found pretty cool. And if you want to find out more about those, you can find them at eldritchblack.com. So Katie, had you heard of Krampus before this? Um, yes, I've heard of Krampus just Sort of recently, um, I didn't really grow up in a Krampus household, um, but I haven't really seen any movies about Krampus or or read any books about him. I just kind of knew that he was like sort of like a Grinch type character. I thought it was like a Grinch who like hated Christmas, but um, I learned a lot more about him through this book. How yeah, about this, you? Did yeah. you um, grow up in a Krampus household? No, actually, I don't think it's really been a big thing over here until recently. And it might have been like in the early 1900s, but it kind of more focused on getting coal for Christmas if you were bad over here. <laughs> and over, you know, this is more of a um, an Alpine folklore type thing with like in right. Germany or Austria or Slovenia, Slovenia, the, among other places. Um He's actually the devil of Christmas. So he's like the antithesis of Santa Claus. And I found out about him recently and I was like, this is kind of interesting. This would really scare kids into being good. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And he's like, he's supposed to be goat-like with horns and hooves and has like a long snake-like tongue. And I actually have a book of Krampus stuff, which I didn't grab. I meant to grab it, but... Um, it's a whole bunch of like advertisements and stuff that they use for Krampus and whatnot. I'll send some, I'll put some pictures up for it. Cool. 
yeah, and usually like sometimes you'll you'll see him in these pictures with like Santa in the foreground and Krampus in the background, either either like beating some children with some switches mm-hmm. or stuffing them to, into his sack to take home. <laughs> while Santa's giving gifts to the good kids in the foreground. It's really kind of weird. It's kind of like scared straight for Europe. <laughs> yeah. Wow. They really are strict disciplinarians over oh there, I guess. <laughs> they seem lenient for the most part, but then Christmas comes around. They're not playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this actually, this story kind of takes place, starts off at least around Krampus Knot, which they call Krampus Night in this. And it's usually on the 6th of December where there's a parade of people in costumes in European countries. So what happens is um, these people will parade through the streets dressed as Krampus. These people pay like hundreds of dollars for like custom-made masks to look like Krampus and whatnot. And um, they'll get tips from some parents who just want to scare their kids. So they'll like chase <laughs> the kids around, you know, and, and it freaks them out. Wow. It's around the time of the Feast of St. Nicholas. Where um, people and mainly kids dress as bishops and ask for charitable donations. So, like, you'll have these kids wandering around, like, dressed as the bishops, and then you'll have Krampus people dressed around, um, coming around dressed like, you know, the devil <laughs> coming after other kids who aren't participating. It's really weird. They kind of merge. I don't know how they merge, but I think that's how they do. They end up parading together. That I mainly found out about it just before Michael Doherty's movie Krampus, the horror comedy, came out. Just just like a year or two before that. And in that, Krampus looks like a really creepy version of Saint Nick. Like he's got like a Saint I don't know if you've ever seen those old like 40s pictures of like Saint Nicholas and it's a guy wearing a mask of Saint Nick. It's really creepy looking. Have you ever Ooh. seen those pictures? Um, I haven't. That sounds terrifying. It's so terrifying because <laughs> they got like little slits for eyes. They look like bank robbers almost. It's really <laughs> creepy. But that's what he looks like in the movie, except the tongue comes out and it's and he's got the huge horns, like huge horns. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I would not want to visit from that one at all, for sure. Well, you better be good this year. Oh, I'm trying to be. <laughs> <laughs> So, Katie, I would like to talk about the cover of this book real quick. What do you think about it? How do you think it represents the story? Oh, I think it's really pretty. Um, I like that it's sort of, well, just aesthetically, I like that it has this watercolor um, design to it. Um, It looks very, if you just glance at it, you're like, wow, this looks like a beautiful Christmas card. Um, It's like traditional red and green, and it has these... um, beautiful watercolor trees and like these cute children it looks like they're standing in a christmas forest but uh once you look a bit closer um you see this silhouette of this really scary figure um he is the krampus and he's standing between um these two little children and just looking so terrifying he's got huge horns he's got like a long tongue and a long tail and like big claws uh sort of like you know maybe like a goat werewolf creature exactly exactly it's it's really it is pretty but it's also creepy at the same time it's very uh and the little snowflakes they look like these paper snowflakes almost on the cover coming down like a handmade quality yeah it does it looks really kind of old Mm -hmm. in a way like it was an old book and you know sort of i don't know I think it looks really neat. I like it. I like the colors too. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, do you have the the physical book? Um, I got the ebook for this one. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I won't worry about the description, and that's fine because <laughs> it's hard to get to that. That's okay. No, I have the description in front of. You mean the back of the book? Yeah. If you have that, yeah, I would love for you to read the description. Okay, cool. Uh, I'll try to sound scary. Okay, go for it. <laughs> Krampus Night is coming, bringing dark fairy tales, waking legends, and a magical battle for the heart of Christmas. Gabrielle Green has just been crowned the worst girl who ever lived, and she doesn't know it yet, but she's leaped to the top of Krampus's naughty list. Krampus, the mysterious, sinister winter king. Krampus, the warden of Christmas who comes calling once a year, seeking wicked children to haul back to his snowy lands. When Gabrielle's younger brother vanishes, she sets out searching for him, but soon finds herself hurtling into a shadowy underworld, a place of terrible trolls, murky forests, coal-black mountains, Christmas charms, and fearsome beasts. Can Gabrielle rescue her brother from the fiendish Krampus? Will she become the Thief of Christmas? As the clock ticks, Gabrielle discovers her decisions have created terrible consequences. Consequences that she must face if she's going to stand a chance of saving Christmas. Oh, you said, I love that. You sound so, like, invested. <laughs> That's perfect. Good. Okay. Well, I want to do a recap of this book, which is officially five years old. And I don't know if you've ever known my rule. If it's five years old or older, I will give things away. But if it's, you know, under five years old, I won't give away the spoilers. So <laughs> so if you don't want to hear what happens, turn back now, go read the book, and then come back to hear the spoiler-filled commentary for the entire book of Krampus and the Thief of Christmas. So we start, and it's the prologue. It's the North Pole, and Santa is staring ominously out the window. An elf named Eldo Stark. Any relation to Tony? I don't know. <laughs> he comes in and says that they have troll visitors. So St. Nick goes to show them in, and they bring a message from their master and pretty much insist that Santa go with them to meet him. The trolls have a sled pulled by six wolves or so. And they wedge Santa in the middle and they travel through the frigid forest landscape. Soon they arrive at the border of the land of Christmas in something called the, quote, Blacklands. And there's a quote from it. A giant pine tree rose from the crest and he saw Krampus leaning against its trunk. He wore a long sleeve black coat and his bright yellow orange eyes gleamed below the darkened silhouette of his horns. Krampus gave Father Christmas a fox-like grin. Ooh. <laughs> So basically, the gist of this meeting is that Krampus is jealous of Santa's reputation, and he wants the gold that he lent to Santa, which the jolly guy has neglected to pay him back in the time allotted, which was six moons, which I'm assuming is six months. It's been over a year, and Krampus, the godfather, <laughs> but he reminds me of like, I want my money, yeah. wants his money back. He says, it's like he's going, you come to my house and you insult me. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Yeah, that's totally what this scene reminded me of. <laughs> <laughs> he gets his like henchmen to bring him and everything. It's great. 
So Santa apparently has used the money or the gold to build a machine that speeds up the toy making process or something. So Krampus is like, I'm going to make this fair. I'm going to make this fair. (laughs) I'm not going to do that voice this whole time. (laughs) He pulls out a deck of cards and says that whomever pulls the highest card will win. If Santa wins, he doesn't have to repay his debt to Krampus. But if Krampus wins, he ha- Santa has to hand over the, quote, keys of Christmas. To which Santa's like, they're not my keys to give away. I can't do that. Sorry. But, you know, one guess as to how this will all play out. <laughs> now we go into chapter one. We meet Gabrielle Green. She's walking through a small town in the mountains. Not sure where it is, but it seems like it's the Alps from these clues, you know, and plus the history of Krampus and whatnot that I know of. People are speaking broken English and stuff. So she hears some wolves howling, howling in the distance, daring them to come and get her and her brother, but noting they can go ahead and take her cousin Matilda. And I want to, I want to know at this point, what is up with that? (laughs) I liked that quote. (laughs) (laughs) She seems pretty bitter about living there. Like, you know, she moved there not too long ago. Apparently she's griping under her breath about her brother Percival before she notices that she's lost track of him. She searches all the shops in town before she finds him outside of a toy store being bullied by two big kids. And she yells at the kids to stop and the cowards flee, not before coming back and trying to pelt her with snowballs unsuccessfully. So she tells Percy to go home as he chases her, chases these boys down the street. She's a tough cookie for sure. Like just instantly. Yeah. And like, you know, she's pretty tough. Yeah. Such a great big sister. <laughs> so she doesn't catch up with them because they kind of disappear into the night. But she returns to the toy shop and checks to see if the ship in a bottle her brother keeps looking at is still, you know, still there. And if it has a price reduction, it hasn't had a price reduction, sadly. But like a truly loving older sister, she knows how much her little brother wants it and decides to somehow earn enough money to buy it for him for Christmas. How cool is the, is she? I mean, she's anti-bullying. She's a loving sister. I like her already. Yeah, she's kind of like um, anti-establishment. Um, I like yeah. that as well. <laughs> she's going to make my own rules. Yeah, yeah. I like her. <laughs> so she starts through the bustling town as everyone passes by doing their holiday duties. And a young boy approaches her, asking if she's the one that can make problems go away. And she seems kind of secretive and telling him like, hey, you know what? Just uh, keep hush about this. Meet me at the library tomorrow at 11 and bring some money. And the kid thanks her and moves along turns out that since she's moved there, she's been getting paid by other kids to take the blame for all the bad things that they've done. Like apparently the first one she met was a little girl who could, who would steal candy from the chocolatier, the shop. And she's like, you know, Hey, can you take the blame for this? And so this mentions something about the girl going wide eyed when she found out where Gabrielle was from. I kind of want to know where she's from. I guess she's from the big city. That's the only thing I can think of or from mm-hmm. London or something. And uh, so Gabrielle just starts to earn money, you know, and just by being perceived as the bad kid, you know, and I, I, I like her more because of that. I'm like, wow, she's not actually a bad kid. She's just making it look like she's a bad kid, you yeah, know, she's and she's a good businesswoman and kind of protecting other kids at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> So next, she's passing by Carousel, and we get this R.L. Stein-esque chapter cliffhanger with some someone with horns and claws and a bundle of birch sticks, you know, seemingly Krampus, jumping out to get her. But in the next chapter, we learn that there's more around her, 
and they're coming out at her and people are like, Oh my gosh, they're feigning to be scared. And she's more annoyed though. <laughs> she's like, what is this? Get away from me. She just pushes onward to her uncle Florian's house. And it's a description reminds me kind of, of uh, Charlie Bucket's house from Charlie and the chocolate factory. Yeah. This kind of like decaying shack like place in the middle of all these nice houses. Um, her uncle's not home, but Percival is. The chimney doesn't work, so she knows it's going to be another cold night as she goes inside. Now we meet Matilda, who is a snarky snitch of a little girl. She instantly jumps on Gabrielle's case about a bunch of people calling to complain about smashed glass and graffiti and other things. Mm-hmm. And then she proceeds to blackmail Gabrielle into giving her some hush money so she doesn't tell Uncle Florian. I mean, I don't, I really don't like this girl. I want something bad to happen to her. <laughs> I know. Yeah. She's Grandpa's kind of come like, get her. <laughs> yeah. So she basically is taking like a portion of all of Gabrielle's profits from her business in order to keep quiet. <laughs> exactly. It's like, what? Come on, girl. So the TV is on and there's a reporter showing groups of people parading through the streets dressed as Krampus, prompting Matilda to say it will soon be Krampus night. Just as I thought. <laughs> As soon as this came out, I was like, yep, it's Krampus not. And if he's coming to town, he's coming for Gabrielle for sure. And I think personally, like I said, she should be the one taken. Sorry. That's just how I see it. You know, you would think that Krampus and St. Nick would know, but we're going to see how this story plays out. So Gabrielle goes upstairs to her cold room and we learn that she and Percival were sent there because their parents were having a rough go of their marriage. She thinks that they are selfish and shouldn't have sent them there with their crappy cousin in, in a rundown house, which I can't say I, I can't say that I blame her for this because at least her her I mean her brother and her uncle are really nice and that's okay and it makes it tolerable. But it is kind of cruddy that her parents send them away for the holidays just because they can't get their act together. Yeah. You can't put on a front for the holidays and then send them you know, just I don't know. Something about it bothers me. Yeah, it bothered me too. It kind of even seemed like they were in a whole different country outside yeah. of the description. So they're like away from their school and all of their friends and like their comfortable kind of life um, just because their parents are trying to work on their relationship. Let me just um, send you to a completely different country, kids, with yeah. an uncle you barely know. He doesn't really have much. You will sleep and, you know, you have a crabby cousin and, you know, it's, it just, and- it's messed up. And it's hard on the uncle, too, because it sounds like, um, you know, he was sort of struggling a bit as well. And now he has these two other children to look after. Yeah, I'm hoping that the parents send the money. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't seem like it, though. But I mean, we'll see. I don't know. So Gabrielle ends up hearing her brother whimpering in the room next door and goes to check on him. And I love this line. Quote, was it the boys who tried to steal your bag? They got away, but the next time I'll see them, I'll blacken their eyes and they'll both look like pandas or zombies or zombie pandas. (laughs) Why isn't Gabrielle my older sister? I know. I wish she were my older sister too. (laughs) She's so sweet. So Percival seems to be upset that no one seems to like them in town except their uncle, who's always at work. Gabrielle suggests he's they go ahead and open up tomorrow's door in the advent calendar then. But he reveals that he's already, he couldn't wait. He already opened up all the (laughs) heaven calendar doors. (laughs) Typical impatient little kid. 
So like the awesome sister she is, she lets him open up her December 4th door and eat the chocolate inside before sending him back to his room to color. Later, Uncle Florian brings some greasy pizza home for dinner. Yum. That sounds awesome. (laughs) He says he spoke to their mother earlier and she will, quote, try to call. That doesn't sound promising. And guess what? She doesn't call. So, yeah, they just push their kids off. You can't even call your children on a nightly basis. Come on. I know it's pretty pathetic. But, you know, so he says that the parents are doing better and they should be home by January. Of course, you know, Matilda tries to ruin it all, mentioning, well, Krampus night is coming and the bad kids will be taken away. And Uncle Florian, I think he kind of knows that his daughter is taunting them and that she's kind of not as good as she pretends to be around him. And he's like, pipe down. Shut up, little girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No one likes Matilda. (laughs) No. Sorry. She's unlikable. No, she's not. She's not very likable at all. (laughs) Later that night, something freaky happens. So Gabrielle awakens from nightmares to a clanging sound and then some rustling outside of her window. She rushes to the window to see a woman in their front yard or her front garden. And she has a long scarlet or red coat, black boots, and extremely pale skin. The woman is almost animal-like as she rushes to the window, Gabrielle's window, huffing out like like her breath like a dog almost, and trying to see inside through the frost-covered glass with extremely black eyes. She leaves suddenly, jumping into an ice cream truck, of all things, followed by some small figures exiting the house next door with a sack of something that seems to be making a sound. And I'm like, was this supposed to be Krampus? Is that a child being kidnapped? What's going on? Yeah, that would be really alarming <laughs> if you I know. Saw and Gabrielle's freaked guy. by it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, Gabrielle is freaked by this, as she should be, quickly jumping back into bed, but she doesn't scream or anything because she thinks she might be still dreaming, I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it would be um, kind of something extreme to wake up to and be like, what? Am I seeing this correctly? You know? Yeah. So the next chapter takes us back to Krampus where we see him in some dire need of some dental work. (laughs) Quote, how fine his teeth were in their various shades of white, yellow, and black, their tips perfectly sharp. Ugh, ain't gonna stay in your mouth very soon, Krampus. (laughs) He's chilling, waiting for his gifts, when a whole slew of his troll henchmen show up with bags of naughty children that they've kidnapped. He's really pleased, loving the sounds of their crying and screaming. And I'm like, Krampus is a sadist. (laughs) I know. Dude. He dismisses the trolls to go punish the kids and keeps one of them back, one of the trolls back. His name is Curdle. I think it's a he. I don't know. Um, they don't give a lot of sex um, characteristics to these animals and creatures. Have you noticed that in the book? I was like, is this a boy or a girl? I don't know. It just says <laughs> it just calls them troll or elf or whatever. It's really weird. I think. Um, did you ever see Lord of the Rings? I have seen Lord <laughs> of the Rings. I think there's like a part where the troll in that movie kind of says that it's hard to tell different genders of trolls because they all look exactly alike. So maybe that's the case here as well. (laughs) Oh, okay. Everybody's gender neutral. (laughs) Yeah, everybody just has like big bushy hair and (laughs) Well, you know, I'm interested in how they procreate, but you know. (laughs) Anyway, so this this troll is named Curdle. It's a great name for a troll. He wants to know 
Um, Krampus wants to know if they found the really bad girl he's heard about. But Curdle says that they tried to smell her out and they can smell bad kids apparently, mm -hmm. but he couldn't find her. Obviously, it's Gabrielle that they're talking about. Yeah. And Krampus is aware that she has a younger brother, insisting that Curdle nab him to lure her out. By the way, I'm assuming Curdle is, at this point, I'm thinking Curdle is the lady that we saw in the, in the garden earlier. I think. That's just how, I don't know. Maybe it isn't. I pictured the lady being um, Miss Gristle. Oh, yeah. I kind of thought that, too, later on when we get introduced to her. But I wasn't her. sure. Yeah. yeah. So he says, you know, Curl says that they can't find, they can't get the brother because he's also a good kid. And unless the kids are naughty, they can't enter the house. I'm like, what about Matilda? <laughs> yeah, for real. Their radar is off. <laughs> Something's wrong. I don't know. So Krampus is wondering if the girl has performed some sort of protective spell. And Curdle has said that they try to get her. And that just irks Krampus to no end. He, he then orders Curdle, go get Madam Gristle. And basically tempt the little brother, Percival, into doing something naughty so they can get him and lure him. And lure Gabrielle to them. Maniacal laugh. <laughs> I don't like that. That's entrapment. <laughs> yeah. It, don't they know the rules? <laughs> After a restless night, Gabrielle meets up with the boy from yesterday at the library. He pays her a little and tells her he needs someone to take the blame for setting off the fireworks at the old folks' home. <laughs> he thought it'd be funny, but it wasn't. She says, okay, and tells him to tell his friends about her. She needs the extra cash. She doesn't really live there, and she isn't really worried about her reputation. Yeah, she's fine with taking off this blame because she's planning on being out of there in a month anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not? You know, so the, you know, the little boy's like, but what about Krampus? And she shuts him down immediately saying, you know, Krampus doesn't exist. And the boy's like, but doesn't he? <laughs> like, little girl, you need to listen to everyone around you. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he doesn't exist um, in your... Like homeland, but he seems to exist here. People are pretty sure about it. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Madame Gristle has snuck up on Percival, who's looking through a shop window. We learn that similar to Raw Dolls, the witches, good kids smell horrible to her and to <laughs> trolls. And she wants to snatch him up, but remembers that her fingers will burn if she touches an innocent child. So she has to tempt him. So she tries by, quote, dropping some coins on the ground so that he can take what isn't his. Mm -hmm. But this goody, goody kid does not go for it. He insists, hey, lady, lady, you left your coins. You dropped your coins. She's like, no, no, I didn't do that. He goes, no, no, you did. You dropped them. I saw you do it. Oh, yeah. so sweet. <laughs> He's so sweet. This doesn't deter her, though. She vows to get Percival one way or another, just as Gabrielle shows up to collect him. And she notes, she was like, that girl is sly. There's something about her. She's got wisdom beyond her years. Gabrielle drops Percival off at home and goes on her apology tour for all the things she didn't do. <laughs> stealing apple strudel, vandalizing a statue, and the fireworks at the old folks' home, which she has to end up watching, washing silverware as penance for it. Not too bad. It's not too, too bad. But it's still, <laughs> you know, I didn't do this. But you basically got paid to yeah. take blame, get a bad reputation, and do work. <laughs> I mean, why not just get paid? Get a job. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe she's too little to get a job. She can do some light housework or yard work <laughs> for somebody, I'm sure. That's Hang some cute. decorations around town. <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> 
So that night she hears a knock on her window, but ignores it going back to sleep. And then she hears a rustling outside and someone walking around in Percival's room. That's when she sees a tall figure moving really fast past her bed. Ah, that would freak me out. Shadow people or something. So scary. She gets up and looks at her advent calendar to find all the doors have been open and the candy is gone. She immediately <laughs> goes to Percival's room and blames him, not believing him when he says he didn't do it. I mean, she even finds the wrappers in his wastebasket. It's kind of, you know. Yeah. They argue uh, and she storms off back to bed. <laughs> A little bit later, Percival decides to sneak off early, climbing out of his window. He's fuming from the fight with Gabrielle, but figures it was probably Matilda setting them up for the fight. And I'd think that too, honestly. Yeah. Meanwhile, Madam Gristle keeps trying to tempt him with things. Like she has unattended firecrackers on somebody's stoop. And he's like, no, it's too early. I can't fire these. And he just leaves them there. And then there's like some hot apple strudel, like sitting in a window or something. And she's like, come on, take that. And he's like, oh, it smells good. But nah, it's not mine. And uh, then she leaves money uh, left in the street and he won't take it. And she's like, this kid can't be real. He is too dang good. What's it going to take? (laughs) Such a good little boy. I know. So she decides to, quote, think outside the box. She gets him, though. He finds a box of markers in the street and nearly leaves them alone until he sees a bright purple one, a marker he's missing from his own set. He tells himself he's just going to borrow it and he's going to bring it back. And just as he grabs it and puts it in his pocket, Madame Gristle snatches him up, calling him a thief. She removes the marker, which is now turned into a, a purple worm before her troll henchmen throw Percival into a sack. And I like the note that the last thing he hears is the carol of the bells in the distance. Yeah. And it's really kind of ominous, because that that is kind of ominous. If you hear boom, 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 you know, it's like, ooh. Yeah. It's one of our more dramatic Christmas songs. (laughs) (laughs) So about an hour later, Gabrielle realizes Percival is gone. She jumps into action, searching at all of his favorite spots around town until she sees his footprints and finally one of his gloves. Uh Uh-oh. She meets eyes with an old lady through a window and pleads with her for help. And at first the old lady shakes her head like, no, 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 you're a bad kid. But eventually she, you know, lets Gabrielle into her home and she says, my brother, I can't find my brother. So this old lady has got a ton of crosses and stuff hanging around. And just like Gabrielle, I think this woman is, you know, sort of a nut. Something's going on here. But the lady explains that she keeps them up to keep Krampus away. Gabrielle doesn't believe in Krampus, but the old lady says, that doesn't matter. He believes in you. Yeah. I'm like, ooh. (laughs) She knows it was Madame Gristle that took him. She describes Gristle as an ogress with like crocodile eyes. And I'm like wondering, wow, she's got like tusks and stuff. Yeah. Um, Gabrielle wants to know what's happened to Percival. And the old lady tells him he's going to be punished like her little brother Jacob was when they, when she was little, she saw Jacob taken away by, by Krampus himself. And when he came back, he wasn't the same. He didn't remember the night that he was taken, but he acted different, you know, and she remembers him being taken though. Mm-hmm. So next the old lady urges her to leave, but Gabrielle says, you know, insists like, I need to know where they've taken him. I need to know where they've taken Percival. And the old lady decides that, Krampus may come for her anyway because she's sharing so much information. So she might as well just tell Gabby that they most likely take him to the catacomb to the edge of town where there's apparently some sort of huge monster or dragon that roars at the town every December. It's, I don't know. 
So at the edge of the lake, at the edge of town, Gabrielle meets some teenagers that warn her not to go into the catacombs. Two of them are named Emmeline and Dieter. Dieter says it's the entrance to the underworld. And then I'm wondering, why are you saying you've been all the way to the end then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're obviously lying. To get a reputation or something. I know. It's the entrance to the underworld. No, it's not. <laughs> um, Emmeline is nicer. She tries to get Dieter to stop teasing Gabrielle. But, you know, Gabrielle offers. She's like, I don't care. Just here. I'm going to pay you some money. Just help me pick the lock so I can get into the catacombs. And But Emmeline's like, no, you're not taking her money. Just help her get in. You know, she wants to find her little brother. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so they go in with some of the other teens running off because they hear a shrieking sound that's supposedly the, quote, dragon. <laughs> and Dieter bets Gabrielle if she makes it to the end, he won't take her money. But if she doesn't, she has to pay him double what she offered him before. So she's like, okay, deal. Next, they find Percy's other glove. I'm glad she's finally calling him Percy because that's what I would do. So (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to start calling him Percy from here on. She says that we have to go down the tunnel with the shrieking sounds. But Emmeline and Dieter are like, no way. No, no. That's where the dragon lives. We're not going. So Gabrielle, the brave one, the younger one, who's the brave one, (laughs) asks to borrow their phones for the light, but they won't give it to her. So Dieter just says, you know what? I'll follow you a little ways. I'll put my phone on a timer for five minutes. And then once that's done, I'm out, you know, and um, then he's hit with what he thinks is dragon smoke and it's actually steam, but he runs away like a loser anyway. (laughs) So still scared, Gabrielle presses on until she sees the steam is coming from a train carrying coal. A freaking train is down there. It's a good thing to have ventilation. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a, Unpleasant train ride. <laughs> I know. And uh, this train ride, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like Harry Potter a little bit. Um, yeah. But sort of uh, so the train, train. Yeah. So the train f- seems to resemble Krampus, actually. It has like these shiny horns and a grill that looks like an evil smile. Mm-hmm. And she runs up to search the train and one of the cars has sounds coming from it. She calls out for Percy and he calls back, Gabby? So I'm calling her that from now on. Um, Just as she's trying to find a way to get to him, Madam Gristle and the trolls show up and she has to hide in one of the compartments. And the next thing she knows, the the train starts to move. And that's where I felt like, oh, wow, this really feels like the prisoner of Azkaban where the Dementors show up on the train, you know, and she's got to hide and everything's dark. And that's what it reminds me of, that, that train from that. Yeah. So the train ends up in a snowy forest, moving away from the town. Gabby even sees like a sign at one point saying, welcome to the Darklands. And all I can think is, welcome to the jungle. (laughs) We got fun and games. Yeah. That would be like a cool name for a bar or something. And then they could have a sign that says, welcome to the Darklands. (laughs) I would go Every time you walk in, it doesn't have a bell on the door. It's just, welcome (laughs) to the jungle. Yeah. (laughs) She sneaks out of her own compartment and sees Madame Gristle feeding the trolls these candies, I presume. She's like tossing them in the air and they're eating them like dogs, like, you know, grabbing (laughs) them up in the air. One of the trolls seems to notice Gabby, so she runs back to her compartment. He follows her, but she hides in the luggage rack. And she's so smart. Mm -hmm. Like she took the light bulb out of the top, out of the ceiling, so that when he tries to flick on the light, he can't see anything. Yeah. I mean, another point to Gabby's house. (laughs) 
She's so smart. So he leaves without finding her. She ends up watching the landscape go by for a while. It's kind of eerie. Like there's um, it's a bunch of weird things that they see. She sees, but there's like this field of misshapen snowmen, some missing limbs, and some with like tentacles. It, I'm like, is, was there a battle? Was there a snowman battle at some point? <laughs> <laughs> they just got stuck there. Yeah, I sort of pictured it as um, like the Nightmare Before Christmas version of Christmas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so they arrive at a station full of trolls and demon-like people, and there's even a bear running around with a sack that seems to be leaving a trail of blood. <laughs> it doesn't say blood, but it, it's like a trail of crimson, red, yeah. something like that. It sounds like blood. This is pretty horrifying for a kid. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> the station at the sign, I mean, the sign at the station reads, uh, "Little nowhere upon the sleet." Wow. And um, apparently that was just a pickup spot for these creatures on the platform. And the train moves forward to the next stop, which is called Hazelby upon Krampus. <laughs> yeah, it's like a commuter train. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, it's like the, like the subway or the L train or the K train. There you go. Um, so that, you know, that's where they start to unload all the sacks of screaming children. And honestly, this will be kind of terrifying to see a bunch of kids like, ah! You know, wow, the kid, I mean, it's, oof. I'm like, you know, I was one of those kids of the whole, you know, stranger danger generation, you know? <laughs> and so you had, you know, my parents had a password that I would have to, you know, if somebody said they were coming to pick me up for my parents, they had to give me the password or I wouldn't wow. believe them. Yeah. And I don't know if you ever did that. Did you ever do that? No. Uh, my parents just let us wander around. <laughs> and <laughs> Someone takes you, they take you. Sorry, kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I can tell you mine now because I'm not afraid of being taken by a stranger. It was pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie. That's that was my cute. password. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Madame Gristle and her trolls walk off with the sack carrying her brother because you can hear him, you know, in the sack. And they prep him to load onto the sled with the others. However, Gabby can't seem to get off the train because she's kind of locked in and the train has started up again. But she finds a way to the roof of the train like through one of the storage rooms or whatever. And she sees the town that they left fading away in the distance. Of course, she basically gets flown off the roof. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they are traveling pretty fast. That would definitely push her off. It's called physics. <laughs> <laughs> so she's freezing in the cold snow, of course. I don't understand why she's not wearing gloves. But I guess kids just don't really think of these things. She walks through the snow past a small town trying to keep hidden and she's walking past a huge mountain with horns no doubt this is where krampus is in the forest at one point she sees someone watching her which is creepy af just somebody standing there watching her like yeah what, what do you want and this is where we kind of it feels like this like we get into an odyssey like encounter this really random thing that happens mm -hmm. she's walking through the forest and the wind in the trees like sounds like harps are playing which is kind of eerie and every time she touches a branch the little like says bobbles on them kind of like little bulbs light up so she quickly learns to stay away from them so she doesn't draw attention to herself and then she's accosted by a troll who wants to steal her coat claiming that if he doesn't get a new item of clothing the christmas cat will eat him <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> that's a um 
That's a real tradition in Iceland. Is it really? Yeah. So when children um, do their chores, then they're rewarded with a new item of clothing for Christmas. And um, if the children don't have any new clothes, then that means that they didn't do any chores. And that means that the Christmas cat can come and take them away. (laughs) Dang. Okay. I need to look into that. (laughs) That's crazy. So sure enough, a huge gray and black striped panther shows up ready to pounce. For some reason, I'm thinking like this, like almost like a gray and black tabby cat, like it's huge, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, something about it. Suddenly, a female voice tells her to wear this, putting a scarf around her neck. And the Christmas cat gets pissed (laughs) because apparently it doesn't have to be brand new clothes. It just has to be new clothes to you. (laughs) (laughs) And he tries to take her. And, um, but he can't because she's wearing it and she's like, take it off, take it off. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And she's a smart girl. She's not going to take this off. <laughs> so he ends up going after the troll who runs off into the woods with an ax. And then Gabby runs in the opposite direction. But I, I wanted to know like, who gave you the scarf? We don't have long to find out because yeah. when she finally makes it to Krampus's lair, trying to get inside, Madam Gristle emerges from the forest behind her stating she risked her life to give Gabby that scarf. And now that girl is in her debt. Like what? (laughs) She wants Gabby to tell her how she evaded Krampus night. And you know, what kind of magic did she use to, you know, since the minions heard reports of Gabby's naughtiness all over, but Gabby doesn't know what she's talking about. And this just ticks Madam Gristle off. She thinks Gabby's a witch and she calls for trolls to shackle her and take her away. And they do so with this fun little Oompa Loompa song. <laughs> down, 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 down with wicked vile clowns. Down, down, down to the depths of Krampus Town. <laughs> <laughs> I and like I'm over your here thinking, of that. <laughs> Oompa Loompa, what did you do? You're a naughty little child and I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I like that version. <laughs> So they drop her into a mine cart and start to wheel her down, down, down into the dark mines below. She sees a bunch of kids chained together doing slave labor like scrubbing dishes, cleaning floors, clipping the wolves' nails. And next she's wheeled right into Krampus's lair. The wooden doors marked with a large K have been referred to a few times, so you know I kind of know what this is. She's flung into some rancid moss. And a troll grabs her up and tells her to follow him, telling her not to try any sorcery or the muck goblin, muck <laughs> gobbins will try to swallow her whole. I'm like, WTF, Eldritch Black, you got some crazy creatures in this story. <laughs> the troll gets her to follow him and tells her not to speak until she's spoken to by the Winter King. Ah, the age old command of adults to children. They should be seen and not heard because that's always worked. <laughs> Especially not with Gabrielle. She's um, she's going to stand up for herself. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's totally like, mm-hmm. They are in Krampus's chambers, and he calls out for her to enter. She does and is mesmerized by his deep, grand voice, noting that he looks like a cross between a goat and a wolf. Not going to lie. Other than his gross appearance, Krampus actually sounds pretty smooth. Like when he's not after you, he'd be kind of cool to hang with. (laughs) Yeah, his voice sounds really cool. I picture him as wearing like a really sleek giant suit, like a a very well-tailored suit. 
<laughs> yeah, kind of devilish in a way, yeah. maybe with like a like James Earl Jones's voice or something. <laughs> yeah, like he'd be cool to go to the bar with. <laughs> <laughs> Drinks on me, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got plans for Gabrielle Green. He tells her to warm herself by the fire, and when he when she does, she feels this him him tickle her neck somehow. I don't know if he was licking her neck or something. I don't know. He apologizes <laughs> saying that it's his nature to creep up on children. And I'm okay. Okay. He's yeah. seeming less and less smooth now and more pedophile. <laughs> yeah. That's sure. Blame your nature. That'll hold up in court. You perv. <laughs> so he ends up whipping himself with switches because, Oh, I shouldn't be doing that. And I'm like, yeah, now he's a masochist. What is going on? Anyway. Now he wants to know how he's kept her scent clean from them and evaded punishment for her wrongdoings that he's heard about. She says she won't tell him a thing until he releases Percy. And he tells her that he's got the power in this land and he'll keep her brother for as long as he likes. Apparently this place is like Narnia and time moves quicker, so a year could be a few moments back home. But he does bargain with her. He'll release Percy if she travels to Christmas land, which also sounds like Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> and if she steals a key from Father Christmas, because he can't set foot there, but she can, no problem. He says that he wants what Santa stole from him. Wouldn't this actually make her naughty if she's stealing from Santa Claus, like giving Krampus reign over her at this point? Mm, I don't know. It kind of feels like it would. Anyway. Yeah, and he's um, very crafty and sort of sneaky with the way that he tricks people. So I wouldn't put it past him, but maybe she just feels like she has no choice. Yeah, I guess it's you're, you know, rocking a hard place type of thing. Yeah. Also, apparently Santa and Krampus used to be friends doing their deeds together, you know, Christmas night or Christmas <laughs> Eve. But Santa put a rift between them somehow. We'll find out more about it later, I'm sure. He ushers her through a corridor where they go into a secret lab hidden behind a wall. They've made unbreakable switches for whipping kids nonstop. Dang. And then Gabby sees trick cards that change from the Joker to the Jack of Spades, like on a whim, because, quote, Krampus always wins, as he puts it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not a winner if you're a cheater. <laughs> and I'm guessing that's what happened in the prologue. That's what I'm guessing <laughs> at this point. He introduces her to his troll scientist, Fizzlenee, and asks him to give Gabby means to get over the wall into Christmas land undetected. Fizzlenee suggests disguising her as an elf, but Gabby isn't down with a beard and messing up with her appearance. Instead, yeah. she suggests that they help her become a, quote, cat burgling ninja. And Krampus just kind of loves her imagination, calling her the thief of Christmas. Ah, the title. <laughs> he said it. <laughs> After she's fitted into an all-white outfit, Krampus takes her down a long corridor where she sees Percy scrubbing dishes through a window. Poor kid. Krampus reminds her of her objective before opening another hidden door. <laughs> and this part made me laugh. He says that sometimes he just stands there and opens the door and closes it because he finds it fun. <laughs> play, oh play. If he wasn't a weird perv, I'd really think he'd be kind of cool. <laughs> So um, they board his sleigh, pulled by wolves, and arrive at a large hillside. Krampus is about to vomit from the, quote, stench of Christmas, which Gabby acknowledges actually does smell like Christmas. Yeah, I liked that description. 
spicy the stench of Christmas of, or <laughs> yeah spicy notes of cinnamon tangy mandarin oranges fragrant wood smoke zesty pine crisp peppermint and juicy roast turkey boy that put me in the Christmas spirit <laughs> me hungry thanks <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, she doesn't see the wall that's supposed to she's supposed to scale. So Krampus throws a snowball and it hits an incredibly high invisible wall and gives it some, you know, she can see it for a second. Yeah. He then gives her a black egg, thinking that she should know what it is, because she's a witch after all. <laughs> but explains to use it when she's got the key and she's like, Oh, it's one of those. Okay. <laughs> Quick thinker. <laughs> I think I'm like, I'm like, this has to be like some kind of like teleportation spell or something to, you know? So she climbs over the wall and makes her way to the village. She gets noticed by a family of snowmen or snow people, whatever. Yeah. But they just nod and move along. It's a little creepy, but you know, she also spots some elves that look to her like sulking children, which doesn't sound good. In the town, she goes by a tavern named the quote jingling bell where there's a snowball fight breaking out between two, I guess, drunk elves. <laughs> I mean, I guess Christmas land isn't as holly jolly as we thought. Yeah, something doesn't seem right. Gabby makes her way through the woods to the city of Christmas, still blaming her parents for sending her to her uncles in the first place. I mean, it's hard to quit blaming others. I know, girl, but it's not their fault you're in this mess. Like, you're there, and you didn't make the best of your situation. You kind of just, you know. So Gabby gets distracted by someone calling for help, and she sees this huge snowball with an elf trapped inside. She pulls the elf out, and she introduces herself. The elf woman wonders why a human is there, but Gabby sort of sidelines the question, wondering how the elf wound up in the snowball in the first place. <laughs> the elf says she angrily kicked a tree, and it dumped snow on her, and then she got rolled up into this and she was angry because Santa fired all the elves because of the new machine she he's built to make all the toy making faster. I'm like, yeah. great, great. Now Santa is part of the evil big businesses of today. Thanks, right. Santa. <laughs> no doubt the toys will be smaller and less awesome now. You'll yeah. probably start charging kids for them, leaving little invoices on their gift tags. <laughs> Bitter dust in here to ruin Christmas. So the elf decides to guide Gabrielle to the city bitter about Father Christmas ignoring her kind for so long. Santa really sounds like a jerk at this point. I don't know why. Yeah, I was really, he just kind of seems like a evil capitalist or something. I know. Exactly. They enter the city and Gabby wonders why it's so quiet. Just as a loud mechanical screech from the palace enters the air. And the elf is like, well, that's the end of everything. I'm out. And takes off. So Gabby has to sneak into the palace by climbing in through an open window. She sees Santa sitting by a fire, eating cookies and looking sad while he's eating. He's kind of like eating his feelings, I guess. Yeah. I think he's realizing he's kind of sold his soul for this convenience, you know, but he hasn't really admitted it yet, I guess. Then she sees the key hanging on the wall next to his hat. Of course, she kicks something hard and then he sees her. At first, he thinks she's an assassin or a thief. Dude, wise up. But settles on her being there for a Christmas wish. He says that he, you know, she's already spent her wish and he can smell it, but she doesn't remember wishing on anything. Regardless, he says he'll grant her another wish. He shows her the robotic factory 
thinking that the elves should be happy now that they don't have to work all the time. Take a hint, Santa. They're not happy at all. Anyway, he shows her a magic book that reveals little factoids about children, like their likes and their dislikes. And he points out that she likes owls but prefers cats. <laughs> and she used to like, was it hedgehogs before? Yeah. <laughs> and gets the machine to send her a little cat figurine. He then reminds her that her Christmas wish was a few nights ago to be somewhere far away from the town that they're in. <laughs> and she realizes now it came true. <laughs> you have to Isn't it realize- weird how you like make a wish or you hope for something and it's granted, but it doesn't come out the way you imagined it or how yeah, you. You have to be so specific with wishes. I know um, you really do like very on point, but then it seems like you get, they get too wordy, you know, you know, that, um, goosebumps book, be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. They run into that problem a lot with not being, <laughs> um, specific. It's in the title. <laughs> <laughs> so he calls on iron elf Eldo Stark to fetch them some treats. Then he tells Gabby that these are all dark days because his once friend is now his enemy but he won't say what happened between he and Krampus. Mm-hmm. He loses his appetite and he gets sad again. And he tells Gabrielle that she can take a keepsake from the palace because like every mattress store, everything must go. He passes out and she sneaks over and reluctantly steals the key. She's like, she doesn't want to. But she's like, I got to I got to save my brother. And I don't I mean, I don't think I could steal a key from Santa. I don't care how he's acting right now because. You know, especially when he's this sad and defeated. I just, I just couldn't do it. I don't know. So she's sneaking out and he sees her take off with the key. And he's like, so be it. Everything must go. I'm like, yeah. something sad, man. I know. This chapter was really sad um, because Christmas is like one of the happiest things we have left. And just picturing Santa himself being so sad was, um, it was hard to read. Exactly. So she sneaks out and she cracks um, the egg on the side of a building and the bird inside is like, hey, I'll give me the key. And she's like, no, 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 no way, Jose. <laughs> I'll take the key to Krampus. You just go tell him I have it. And the bird's like, whatever, and flies off. She still feels bad about taking the key, but she ends up going into a stable and stealing a powered sled from a nearby stable. Um, I'm thinking it's more of a snowmobile. Yeah. <laughs> they call it a sled, but I'm like, that's a snowmobile. <laughs> yeah, it's electronic, so uh, it sounds like a snowmobile. With a steering wheel and everything. <laughs> yeah, it's a snowmobile. So she races back to Krampus Land. The sled has an up button, which is kind of neat, that allows her like scale the wall, you know, yeah. and sail over <laughs> things. I'm like, where was this technology on Krampus's side? <laughs> But so she scales the wall and there's Krampus there with his trolls waiting for the key. She tries to re-bargain again to release all the kids, but he gets pretty ticked off about that. Yeah, She's like, I'm not going to push my luck. Man. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, so she gives him the key and he, he's like, okay, I'm done with you kids. He orders Percy's release and shows Gabby and her brother a way home. And he's like, you know, he has the key to Christmas and nothing can stop him. <laughs> right. He's like bangs on the ground or something and the ground opens up and Gabby and Percy are sliding down through a black tunnel and they end up sliding out of the tunnel into their own fireplace covered in ash and soot. And they're at Uncle Florian's house. That was really quick. Yeah. So Matilda's there griping about all the ash and soot that got everywhere. And Gabrielle's like, shut up, Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's right. 
I don't have time for this, Matilda. <laughs> Immediately, they go to get washed up, but they both realize that they don't remember where they've been or why Gabby is dressed in these clothes, the snow outfit she has on. All she can do is feel guilty for something, but she doesn't know why. And she doesn't even seem to realize it's the holiday season. And now it's gotten really grim, Mr. Black. <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm hoping it gets it's happier. Good. <laughs> Weeks pass by. And it's apparent that Krampus has changed things. Everyone around is so much sadder. The decorations are all gone or they're tattered. And there's even this poster that says, and then there was the strange beastly figure that stared out from the posters pasted in almost every shop window. She passed a savage looking creature with a long goat like face horns jutting from its furry head and malice bursting from its orange yellow eyes. Below its toothy wide grin was a message festively printed in several languages. Merry Krampusmas. Rejoice. The 25th of December is almost here. And so, and she even sees like this man dressed in like Krampus in a shop instead of like a Santa Claus sitting there accepting kids waiting in line. She yeah. sees, you know, this kid and he's going, he, he, he. And she's like, that's supposed to be ho, ho, ho. This is, something's <laughs> wrong. She doesn't know why she knows that though. Yeah. Even Uncle Florian can't remember what used, you know, why they used to celebrate things at that time and why it was so much happier. He just remembers it was. And his shop has to close early because he can't, you know, he's not getting business. He can't afford to keep it open. Matilda is just ticked off and mad at Gabrielle and Percy and tries to start a fight with them. But, you know, Gabby's like, don't even, don't even. <laughs> and Matilda's like, okay, okay. She knows she's not that tough. At one point, Gabby sees what appears to be an elf emerge at the fireplace, but it disappears. She's like, what is, did I just see something? She just sees the legs, really. Mm -hmm. Then later on, she's with uh, Percival in her bedroom, and the elf appears again, but Percy doesn't see him. Though the elf feels familiar still. She then remembers it shouldn't be raining, but snowing. And then she realizes, that's right, Christmas is supposed to be happening. And that's when Eldo Stark pops up and says, finally. And he's like, here, drink this magical elixir. And he gives it to her and he gives it to Percy to help them remember. And suddenly they remember everything. Yeah. You know, Stark just wants to help steal the key back from Christmas for, from Krampus. And, you know, cause you know, she, he came for her cause she bested Krampus before somehow with, you know, not being detected. So Percy insists on going too, and he's not going to take no for an answer. I'm not, no. You keep treating me like a little kid. I'm going to go. She's like, <laughs> you know, and so Eldos is like, you know, go ahead, let him, he can take care of himself. He think, you know, Percy's like, I, you know, I owe Krampus some payback for what he did to me. And I'm like, go for it. You got a fire in your, that's great. He's brave like his big sister. Exactly. So Stark instructs them to open the Christmas Eve door on their advent calendar and dress warmly. And, you know, because they're going to get Christmas back. Woohoo! Yeah. And they go through the door. You know, they end up in the snowy lands or whatever. And they're like, all right, so we got to, you know, he he takes some branches from a tree and makes some skis. And he pulls some pine cones down. He's like, all right, let's go. And the pine cones kind of like carry them through the snow. And they end up um, back at Christmas Town, basically. Christmas Land. And now the palace is blackened with horns yeah everything's dark and dreary yeah 
He did some redecorating. <laughs> <laughs> he went a little goth with it. He just yeah. went a little goth. <laughs> so yeah, um, Stark says something. We have very little time. The last vestige will drop and Christmas will be forever lost. So he takes them to the mountains in what he calls secret grottos. And I'm just thinking Playboy Mansion. <laughs> it's ruined the word grotto for me. <laughs> I know. That's exactly when I think grotto. I just think of Hugh Hefner <laughs> and some blonde chicks in bikinis. But uh, so they go in and there's all these, you know, all these creatures there, elves and bears and everything and they're all looking at gabby with like the stink eye that they hate her she's like i know i'm the thief of christmas i'm sorry (laughs) and then santa sees them and he's like hey percy how are you doing you've been a good kid oh hi gabby (laughs) (laughs) he's like i'm glad you came and he isn't really angry but you know he's a little annoyed i guess i would be too and he says that he let her take the key because he felt guilty because it was Krampus's right because he basically, he tells the story of the the prologue, everything that happened in the beginning. But when Krampus pulled out the higher card, uh, Santa panicked and he was like, Hey, uh, here's the key. And it was actually his pantry key. <laughs> and he took <laughs> off and then put up this like big invisible wall with the last of his power that he had and has been hiding out ever since in Christmas land. Yeah. Yeah, but then Gabby's like, um, did he use one of these cards and pulls out the card that the one that was the Joker that turned into the the uh, Jack, uh, was it Jack of Spades? Yeah. And he's like, what? You're like, yeah, he cheated too. <laughs> he cheated first, actually. Yeah. And that's when Krampus's minions come and everybody has to like, they're, they kind of go into this little mini battle, I guess, is going to start out. And Santa's like, I'll, you know, I'll fend off Krampus and them. You guys sneak away. And so Stark takes them to the sleigh with the reindeer. And Percy's just like, what? We're going to ride in the sleigh? It's awesome. <laughs> that part's sweet. <laughs> it is really sweet. So they got to go steal that key, you know? So they go back to the Christmas town and there's a troll camp in front of it. And they're like, okay, how are we going to get past them? We got to get in there to get that, that tree, that key, excuse me. And Percy comes up with an idea to get all of them past the troll camp. It's crazy, but it just might work. <laughs> There's a troll named Fingledrum, which what a name. Um, and he's just kind of, he's like, I hate that Christmas cat. And he's just griping, whatever. And then they hear like, oh my gosh, somebody's outside or whatever. And he looks out and there's like, he sees like an army has approached. And he, you know, he's kind of like a coward. He's like, I don't really want to fight. But uh, then he thinks, whoa, but the glory I'll get from Krampus, you know, the notoriety. Yeah. I got to do this. So he's like, all right, everybody, charge. So all these, you know, trolls are running at them and they run, they run. And as they approach, they just see that it's all crudely made snowmen, (laughs) which is basically just using, they're not even moving. They're just like lumpy looking snowmen disfigured in a way. Right. And, uh, (laughs) you know, they had Stark make them with his magic really quick. And it was basically just a distraction for the kids to get past the troll camp. So the palace with the horns. Gabby shows up and she scales the wall and gets into a window, forcing it open. She goes back inside and it's basically the same, but it's dark, of course. And there's the big K on the top of the door and stuff. And she sees Krampus with the key around his neck. And Madame Gristle is like feeding him some rancid broth. It looks like that she's making from this cauldron. And so Gabby's like sneaking, tiptoeing around against the wall and everything. And she almost gets snagged. 
and trapped by a large vase. <laughs> like, girl, be careful. Yeah. And uh, she sneaks up. I don't really, I kind of miss this, but it seemed like she sneaked up somehow behind Krampus and like unclasped the chain around his neck and she's pulling the chain to her. And just as she's almost got it completely, he grabs her hand. He's like, hey, what are you doing here? And he's like, take care of her. And he orders Madame Gristle to hold her down. But then Gabby like rears back and kicks her in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Hi-ya, get him, girl. <laughs> she then makes way for the window, calling out for Percival. But Krampus, Krampus grabs her boot. She shakes free somehow and she ends up in the sleigh. She still has the key, thankfully. And Percy is like, we got it. We saved Christmas. I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> you never celebrate that early. Yeah. Just get out of there. Just just like, all right, good. Let's go. You know, just that's it. Don't celebrate. Because now Krampus is on their heels in his own sleigh, barreling in, in on them. They seem scot-free till Krampus snaps his fingers and the ground, because he apparently controls the ground or something. And um, the ground starts shooting rocks up and it's knocking the sleigh around and the kids fall out of the sleigh. And Krampus like is seriously about to beat the living daylights out of Gabby with switches. But then Santa shows up and he's like, don't you dare touch her. And, you know, he's confronting Krampus with the way that he cheated with the cards. Mm -hmm. And he's like, come on, let's just put this behind us. Let's shake on it. Let's move on. But Krampus is like, I ain't having that. No, this is mine now. So Percy's like, you know what? I'm tired of you. And he's going to charge towards Krampus. And Krampus is like, oh, I'm so scared. You know? <laughs> and then um, he, you know, Santa Claus is like, don't you touch that kid. And Krampus is like, well, you've got your pluck, your pluck back, Father, Father Christmas, you know? And uh, that's when Santa basically binds Krampus in these temporary chains. But somehow Krampus gets away and he kind of brings out this, like, bad plum pudding and he kind of forces it on Santa and Santa swallows some and he calls it the quote death of Christmas. Yeah. Some new concoction from his laboratory, which is just basically poison of course. Right. Yeah. But then Santa pulls out a snow globe and somehow like, and Krampus is like, no, not the snow globe. <laughs> <laughs> and he traps Krampus and, you know, Krampus is inside like, all right, yay, we won. But then they're both kind of fading away somehow. They both start to like fade out of existence. Yeah, they're kind of flickering like a hologram kind of. Yeah. And it's like Percy's like, okay, this can't work. And so he takes the snow globe and he smashes against the rock and frees Krampus. And so the, the fight's still going on. And Gabrielle's like, oh, I wish I could just <gasps> wish. And she thinks, okay, so she basically makes a wish for a truce. And suddenly, like, hot chocolate appears in Krampus's hand, and Santa ends up with coal in his hand. And they're like, ugh, ugh. And they're like, here. And they give each other a gift, basically. And somehow, it kind of settles things. They kind of give in to each other. It seems that things are going to be okay. And Krampus is like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing? They both kind of wake up. What's going on? And there's only, like, three hours left to save Christmas. They don't have any toys. They don't have anything. And so they're like, okay, we got to do something. Krampus is like, we might as well just forget about it till next year. And Santa's like, no, I'm not giving up on this holiday. 
So he, everybody goes to the the palace and they start up the machine. And it seems like everybody, even like the trolls and everybody's working together to like get all these presents done. And they're, you know, the machine's cranking out toys. And it seems like I'm like, oh, this thing's going to break down. Yeah. And um, it's working over time. Exactly. They're like faster, faster. I'm like, oh man, ooh, it made me cringe a little bit. <laughs> but everybody's wrapping toys and they're like, all right, we got to go. We got to go. So, all right. So they're like, all right, can we take your, you know, everybody's going to help out in delivering these presents. Apparently they're like, all right, sorry, Gabby and um, Percy, you're going to have to take these snowmobiles, these motorized sleds. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, all right, let's go. So they all go into town and, you know, Krampus is like, not that house. That's my house. (laughs) I'm like, oh, don't do something to some kids. Come on. And they're trying to deliver presents, you know, and they're like, but, you know, we got to throw them, you know, just throw them through the chimneys or whatever. And you're like, but what if they burn? Like, oh, don't worry. They're, they're magically, I guess, uh, I don't know what you would call it. Yeah. It sort of seems like the presents have like this enchantment so that no matter where you put them, they'll end up under the tree. So you could like put them on the porch and they'll kind of squish down and slide under the door and then wind up under the tree. And if you throw it down the chimney, it won't get burned. It'll just like, you know, roll into its correct place. So they're all kind of enchanted presents. Yeah. And then there's like race against time. Right. And so they, you know, they're like, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. And it's like countdown is coming and they still have like a present left to give. And Gabrielle's like, I need more time. And so she gets Percy to wish for me, you know, she he, he basically makes a wish to give Gabby more time. Mm-hmm. And she's like throwing the you know present. It's like three, two, one. <laughs> you know, here, you take it from here. Yeah. I don't think that they should have stopped at midnight because they should, they still have a few hours worth of nighttime to deliver these presents. I don't know why everything had to be delivered by midnight. <laughs> I guess it's because of Christmas Eve is his cutoff point in this version, you know? <laughs> Yeah. I would think just, you know, before kids wake up, but you know. Gotcha. <laughs> so, um, Percy's wish really worked. Um, she, you know, time slowed down enough that she was able to deliver all of the presents and then Krampus and all of his helpers and Santa and all of his helpers, they, um, they were all able to deliver presents on time. So they all, you know, met up again and congratulated themselves for completing Christmas and working together. Everybody's um, all hunky-dory and fa-la-la. <laughs> yeah. And then um, sort of like the next thing that she knew, um, Gabby was back in her bed and she was back in her Uncle Florian's house. And as soon as she opened her eyes, she realized that things have gone back to normal. It wasn't this dreary, like, goth landscape how it was under Krampus Miss. Like there was snow on the ground. She could see twinkling lights in people's windows. There was like this happy feeling in the air. It smelled like Christmas. It felt like Christmas. And so she and Percy, um, like when they were back at their house, they didn't really have any memory of of what had happened the night before. Like they felt like something special had happened, but they you know, as you know, Santa and Krampus will kind of like wipe children's memories so that they, um, they can't recall the things that happened to them. So, um, they like had this, had like happy sort of Christmas morning. Um, I kind of wonder if that ever happened to any of us. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I had a wonderful Christmas, but I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we're sort of taken back a little bit to see, um, like, what actually happened the previous night when uh, Santa and the Krampus dropped them off. And one funny thing that happened was that when they dropped them off at um, – at their uncle Florian's house, um, their cousin Matilda was there, and Krampus was like, "Oh, I know who you are." Yeah, apparently she's been to see Krampus a few times before, and she suddenly remembers or something, and uh, he gives her a warning or something. I think you better, you know, be a good girl, or else I'll come to get you next year. Like he did all these scary things to cousin Matilda, like definitely warning her to um to stop with her. Like, like snitchy ways. Finally, <laughs> some vindication. A better cousin. <laughs> so another um, really cool thing that happened is that their parents called uh, on Christmas morning, Yay. and they had reconciled, and they were calling to say that they were coming to Uncle Florian's house, and they were gonna, you know, come and celebrate Christmas together as a family. So that was sort of another little Christmas miracle that occurred. Um, and again, at this point, the children don't have a memory of what happened the night before, but it seems like they're back to having a really fun Christmas. But Something interesting happens. Um, they are, you know, sitting together under the Christmas tree, wishing each other a Merry Christmas. And there was a knock at the door and um, nobody heard it except for Percy. And he goes to the front door and what he sees there is just a little present. It's a box that's wrapped in like black Christmas paper, black wrapping paper. Um, and there's like a card stuck to the top of the present that sort of has this um, spooky mountainous landscape on it. And, you know, a memory sort of popped into Percy's head and then just like washed away. But he reads the card and it says, To Percival, the boy who saved me from the stench of Christmas, your friend Kay. And then he opens it up and it's the ship in the bottle that he wanted, that he was like pining over. Um, he's like, I don't know where this came from. He just like glanced around. He didn't see anything. And he um, like went out on the porch and he sort of saw like. That's right. He sees these hoof prints in the snow that's leading away from the, from the, the stoop. Yeah. So probably just his imagination. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's where we ended it. Um, there was like a happy ending for all of the characters, but also a little bit of this mischievousness uh, that popped into the end. Um, it turns out, you know, maybe it's possible that Krampus took a liking to Percival and, and left him this special gift. Um, so that was really nice. <laughs> it kind of leaves it open, like for a little bit of a sequel, if if they wanted. Yeah, <laughs> I think that'd be really cool. But thank you for finishing the book for me. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I, I really like this book. Did you like it? <laughs> yeah, um, I thought that you know it was so festive. One thing I thought that was cool is how they wound in um, 
Christmas traditions from other cultures and um, different folklore. Um, like Madame Gristle is also like, a, she's sort of like a holiday character from Icelandic folklore, um, similar to the Yule Cat, where she's like this ogress person who um, likes making stews out of children. <laughs> Iceland must be a tough place for children. <laughs> you did more research than I did because that's, that's, oh man, that's so wild. Man. <laughs> yeah. So like all of these little um, like characters that you learn about throughout the book, um, I don't know about all of them, but it, some of them popped into my mind as being, um, you know, from different Christmas folklore from around the world. So I thought that, that was really cool. And if I was a child reading this, I would be like, whoa, that would be fun to read about different Christmas traditions from other countries. Yeah, it does. And that's really cool. I didn't even know that some of these things, like you said, like Madame Gristle and um, what was the other thing from earlier? The Christmas like, cat. Yeah, the Christmas cat. I was like, wow, I didn't know anything about that. So that's really <laughs> cool how they, you know, how Eldritch Black, you know, kind of combined them all together and made them work in unity in a way. Yeah. That's really neat. <laughs> well, thank you so much again for reading this with me and, you know, for spreading some festive holiday cheer because, <laughs> you know, we all need it nowadays, of course. Oh, it just warmed my heart, made me feel so uh, warm and jolly. And <laughs> I, it's been really happy um, spending this morning with you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me again. And if you want to contact or just, you know, Follow uh, uh, <laughs> Katie on um, Instagram. You can find her at The Haunted Outfit, or you can listen to her new podcast with Jeffrey Canino, Super Chillers, which is basically available in most places you can find podcasts. And um, is there anything else you want to say? Um, I just hope that everybody has a very Merry Christmas season and, you know, be good this year, as good as you can be. <laughs> definitely we need a little bit more goodness this year especially <laughs> let's close out the year on the high note yeah thank you again katie i appreciate it thanks justin <laughs> and merry christmas to you merry christmas <laughs> dustin can read well I'm, I'm definitely need to read the evil twin book I, I def, i've been wanting to read that for a little while now so i need to get my hands on it and, you'll and love that. it <laughs> i'll probably will i'll probably love it